We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Thank you for listening to Transformative Principle. This is a special episode where I interview the keynote speaker today at the Alaska Principles Association Conference, John Hope Bryant. John is a natural entrepreneur who started when he was 10 with a $40 loan from his mom to put the local candy store out of business by selling his own candy. Really wonderful, interesting information from him today. A lot of tweetable comments from his presentation today. What he's working on is creating a program for schools, which is a uh, hope business in a box which is a pretty awesome thing where he will fund and support students who are entrepreneurial in nature. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with John Hope Bryant. If you are new to the podcast, you can uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at TRNFRM Principle, which stands for Transformative Principle, but Transformative Principle is a little bit long. Or you can go to transformativeprinciple.org. Please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and share it with your friends. I learn a ton from doing this, and I know that by listening to this, you will become a better principal. Thanks so much for listening. My first question for you is, why do you think entrepreneurship is so important for our youth? Uh, Because it teaches you coping skills. Because like President Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge once said that, you know, you've got educated fools. You've got over, you have people who have intelligence and education, all that stuff, but nothing beats persistence. And an entrepreneur, somebody who works 18 hours a day to keep from getting a job, uh, it teaches you to never give up, to see the positive in everything, to see the glasses half full, not half empty, to see a problem and go over it, around it, through it, to get to it. It is, um, it, it, and it teaches you never to give up. That is, Never give up, over it, around it, through it mentality works whether you're running a business or a home, a household, a school building. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. Uh, it is tenacity. It is uh, stick-to-itness. It is um, resiliency. 
Um, it is redefining success as going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And beyond that, entrepreneurship is literally what created this country. So when you talk about starting as an entrepreneur, is there an age limit to that? Do you have to be at least a certain age? You started pretty young. Tell me about how young is too young to start. I, I, think, have, I think embedding young people with a positive mentality starts at the moment when they understand a positive mentality. When I was five years old, I had a sense of, what, of how important this was. Clearly, when I was nine years old, I was able to act on it. And when I was 10 years old, I had my first business. So I think that certainly middle school, and I really believe elementary school, uh, is a place to embed this sort of thought process in, in the, the mindset of young people. I said earlier that this nation was built on entrepreneurship. Some people would say, well, no, this, built, this nation was built on our founding fathers and the Constitution. All that kind of okay, but a lot of our founding fathers were entrepreneurs. The same people who, who signed the Constitution, who set their signatures to the Bill of Rights and so on and so forth, were also self-made entrepreneurs. If you were an agrarian farmer, uh, you were at the very least a small business owner. In some cases, building something out of nothing, an entrepreneur. Politics, uh, public policy, came out of uh, individual property rights. It was the uh, ownership of land and property and your desire to protect that land and property is where politics got its teeth, if you will. And every big business was once a small one. Uh, so you want to build wealth, uh, you want to give it away. Even if you want to give away money like a socialist, you've got to first collect money like a capitalist. You know, I spent some time in, in Russia, and there, uh, it was in the year 2000, their big complaint at that time was that they had no money and that they were very poor and that they were trying capitalism and it wasn't really working. They said their complaint during communism was that they had all the money in the world because everything was distributed and everybody had everything they wanted, but they just couldn't buy anything because nobody was creating anything. And, you know, that idea that to give things away in a socialist state, you need to get that money first um, is a really good idea. You talked today about a program where you're going to bring entrepreneur skills and curriculum to schools to help students be successful. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you'd implement that? So there's a system in this country for everything negative. If you want to be a drug dealer, if you want uh, to find prostitution, you want to unfortunately engage in human trafficking, whatever you're interested in, if it's negative, underserved communities have a plethora of options. And they're very sophisticated, meaning that they're deeply embedded entrenched and hard to break because they're business models. The mafia is a business model. Uh, ISIS is a business model. ISIS is not breaking into pole countries, PO countries. They're breaking into rich countries. I'm sorry, regions. They're taking over oil fields and, and uh, bank vaults in the Middle East. So I think that what we want to do is create a national system for uplift so if a kid wants to get out of their circumstance, they want to become an entrepreneur, they want to become a small business owner, they want to own their own home, they want an internship, there's options for them. Like McDonald's or like Starbucks, it should be ubiquitous, it should be consistent, it should be within reach. So we will open uh, a total of 3,000 offices by 2020. My hope is 250 of those offices would be here in the state of Alaska. 
and a third of those offices will be adult-focused. Two-thirds of those offices should be youth-focused. And a third of those two-thirds, or half of those two-thirds, I'm sorry, should be around entrepreneurship. We call it Hope Business in a Box Academies. Uh, It's it's teaching a course in entrepreneurship, uh, a course in dignity. Tomorrow's Global Dignity Day around the world with 70 countries. I'll be doing Dignity Day here in Alaska, I think at Bartlett High School. Every kid will get a primer course in entrepreneurship. Uh, 25 businesses the kid can start for $500 or less. Business ideas, standard ideas. And the kid picks one of the ideas that resonates with them. When I was growing up at nine years old, I picked a candy house. But you pick what works for you. If the kid does a good pitch event, then every kid would get two minutes with a timer to pitch their business idea in the school auditorium um, at their school. Think Shark Tank for kids twice a year. If the kid does a great job at pitching their event, uh, we'll fund the business up to $500. The money has to go into a bank account. So now you're dealing with and addressing the 40 million unbanked or underbanked population in this country, which is 12% of the American population, which is ridiculous, by the way. But when you and I were growing up, we had a passbook experience. It was a passbook savings account. I remember it uh, now. I can smell the paper as I turn the pages on my passbook account. We want every kid to have that experience, not to be intimidated by a bank. Uh, For it to be normal, the money goes to a bank account. We assign a business role model uh, to the young person. They spend an hour a day for 10 weeks. Sorry, an hour a week for 10 weeks, so it's not an overwhelming lift for the volunteer, the role model. Uh, Standing up the business. Gallup measures the kids' entrepreneurship strengths through entrepreneurship strength finders on the front end. And then on the back end of that experience, we give them a uh, what's called the Gallup Hope Index measurement of the outcomes. And we're going to do that in, let's just say, roughly a 1,000 schools across the country. The question is how many of those schools are going to be here in Alaska. Um, I think that that's like putting a private school resource laboratory on top of a public schoolhouse. I think that that solves a lot of the isolation problems and what you, what you call the Bush uh, regions, uh, the Bush schools. I think that this gives people something positive to do. I think that this is uh, something that can spur an economy in a rural area, whether it's an urban area or a rural area or the deep bush of Alaska. Uh, this is something that's portable and transformational um, and I think can really set uh, a place uh, on a positive footing using young people as the catalyst. It also might be the thing that gets young people to stop leaving Alaska uh, when they get a choice because they don't see a future here. But if we start spurring, imagine if you're governor versus talking about cutting uh, resources and budget deficits and problems. I saw the governor on television today talking about a range of challenges for Alaska. Imagine if the governor said, we're going to take what would be a modest amount of money, you know, $5 million for the whole state, almost said country, the whole state of Alaska, and embedded this over three years' time, uh, working with, quote, the worst and most challenged neighborhoods first, creating a culture of entrepreneurship. Man, my God, first of all, he'd be a, a national role model for a governor. Two, the private sector would rally behind him. Three, philanthropy would behind be right, be right behind the private sector. Three, you'd be able to leverage uh, limited public funds to create outsized impact. And then within five years' time, he'd see GDP rise and crime goes down. It's not, I mean, this is not rocket science. So versus us figuring out what to cut, what we shouldn't be doing and arguing with each other about things we don't agree on, how about something that most everybody agrees on? 
like this. Something that will support our kids, help them stay in their communities, and grow their communities. So one of the things that we get here in Alaska is the permanent fund dividend, where every Alaska citizen gets money from the government from the uh, oil dividend that they have. Um, this year, that was about $2,000. Wow. And so every resident, everybody who's been here for more than a calendar year. So what that is, is that gives everybody who is getting that an opportunity to be able to choose to use that money to start with. So you take that $5 million that you were talking about, which is a modest amount, and you maybe add it to everybody who under 18 chooses to do something entrepreneurial, they get an extra $500 to do that or something like that. There are options for that so that you could encourage that. Yeah, well, if you give somebody who's financially illiterate $500 of going shopping. So, well, that's probably a little idealistic. But, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not suggesting people are financially illiterate. Everybody, I'm suggesting people are, are have too much month at the end of their money. So, if you have, uh, you know, $1,000 worth of bills and $800 worth of income and, and the state gives you 500 bucks, hello, you're going to pay some bills or you're, you're going to make yourself feel better by going shopping. But if you incentivized the business sector to donate to their local school, to start a Hope Business in a Box school, and you gave them a tax break, dollar for dollar for doing that, that might spur it. So and maybe that matches the funds that the state seeds uh, in this effort. Well, I'm, my only point is you could start a movement in the entire state for a modest amount of money that really changes the one thing that, this, that could set Alaska on a whole new footing, which is the culture. The co-founder of Costco, I was with him a week ago, my weeks are running together, in uh, Austin, Texas, at the Conscious Capitalism Summit. And he said to me that uh, culture is not the most important thing in business. It's the only thing in business. And I think that the same is case, the case for Alaska. What is the culture, right? I've been looking for it since I've been here. Like, you know, you go to, a, to Maui, Hawaii, you know what the culture is. It's the water, right? Everybody's just trying to get to the water. You know, you go to California, you know, what's the culture? It's, you know, freedom. It's, it's creativity. It's, you know, let me do my own thing. It's a very entrepreneurial place. You know, what's the culture in Atlanta? It's the only international city in the South. Like, what's the brand, right? What's the culture, right? And, you know, people love the outside here and all that kind of stuff. But you don't get this sense that everybody's waking up every day like, okay, I can't wait to head to the, to the glaciers. I'm not saying that's what they need to do. I'm saying that Alaska needs to pick something because you're dark uh, a good portion of the year. It, it encourages depression, right? Because you're isolated, it encourages depression. Because you're remote, it can encourage depression. You got to make these negatives into positives. So, what is Alaska going to be known for? What is your culture? I think that the same thing that are perceived to be negatives could be positives. You know, if you're locked inside for long periods of time, what could you create? What could you sit in your your computer and innovate? If your schools are the outposts for stability in some of these communities, you know, what could you do with that? What if the school was viewed as uh, you know the CEO center? the entrepreneurial CEO center for that space, place, and, and geography. Uh, and what do those kids spend the time they have on their hands innovating interesting apps and products and ways to do well and do good? I'm just, all I'm saying is Alaska needs a software upgrade just to reimagine everything. It's not a criticism. It's what we all need to be doing all the time.
Yeah, and uh, you know, we've been trying to do some of these things where we're giving kids at my school, Kodiak Middle School, an opportunity to go into things that they're passionate about and and partake in some things. We're calling them tutorials, and they happen for just thirty minutes a day right now. But as kids find things that they're passionate about, we're seeing that they are using more time than we anticipated to do those things. So we've got a student broadcasting team and kids give up their lunch to come be part of that broadcasting team. And we had a student just the other day ask if we could do an accounting class, like business type accounting so that they could learn how to do things. And I'm, I got an email about, it and I'm excited to go talk to the kid when I get back and see what he's talking about, because I think he'd be very interested in, in this, uh, Hope in a box that you're that you're talking about. Look, we've had, you know, to that point, we've had less pickup. I, you know, I assume when I first started this, that every kid in every school would want five hundred dollars to start a business. I was wrong about that. You know, maybe twenty percent of, of the kids actually want to start a business. Well, there's two ways to look at that. John was wrong, and eighty percent of the kids don't want it. Or we had paid dirt. Now we have an, a system where the kids who actually have entrepreneurial talent and zeal have an outlet to go do it and save it and save the freaking <laughs> nation, right? Because we're looking for the new Steve Jobs, we're looking for the new Bill Gates, and looking for the new um, creators of all things GDP related. Another way to to say that is, okay, if you don't want to start a business, can you work in the business that your friend started? So you don't want to be the the new guitar company, but your friend wants to start the new guitar company. Well, you want to go work for your friend. We also created an entrepreneurship, I'm sorry, an internship program uh, that's a parallel. So one's a create a job strategy that's Hope Business of Box Academies. The next one is a get a job strategy. Uh, this is for the 80% of kids who say, I don't want to be a business owner. So the kid has a B minus. Let me rephrase that. The kid has a D, C, or an F, but they aspire to get a B minus under the B minus business compact theme that we have uh, stood up. If they fulfill that pledge of getting a B minus in one calendar year, we reward them with a $500 stipend. Uh, and we picked that number, by the way, 500 because it's, a, it's achievable. The local dentist office can fund it. The local you know, grocery store owner can fund it. You don't, you don't need millions or hundreds of thousands or even thousands of dollars, right? $41.60 a month is $500 uh, a year. So uh, for 500 bucks, a kid gets a business suit, business cards, transportation money, and food money for six weeks. We think six weeks, a kid giving an office experience, which is interning in a local business environment, the kid will change the business, and the business will change the kid. And now you're connecting lunch boxes with briefcases and schoolhouses with office buildings, and you're creating a relationship with that kid in the free enterprise system with somebody who has a business card. Now you have something that potentially 90% of those kids want to resonate with, right? Either I want to become an entrepreneur, boom, or I just want a way to connect my education with an aspiration of getting a job, internship, boom. You have 10% of kids with knuckleheads who don't want anything, right? But that's just, that's just society. What you don't have is, is, is 90% of kids being knuckleheads because they've got nothing productive to do. So what's, what's your advice for a principal who isn't entrepreneurial? We're educators and we're not in business, so we're in education and we have a different mindset. What's your advice for us to help get kids inspired in this, even if it's not in our comfort zone? Principles, as I said in my remarks here at the Principles Annual Conference, principles are like the ambassadorial residences in a, in a nation. Like if you, were in Fran- if you were the ambassador for the U.S. in France or the ambassador for the U.S. in Haiti or... Dominican Republic or wherever, you're the nation's formal representation. You're the nation's voice 
in that place. What are you going to do to process all of the needs? You can't put your hands on everything, but you can be catalytic. I think that principals need to be catalytic. They need to be conveners. Uh, they need to take their resources and leverage them. Challenge the private sector in their areas to come into their schools. Okay, you say, look, I'm not an entrepreneur. I've been a teacher all my life. But you're an entrepreneur. You're a small business owner, Mr. and Mrs. Owner down the street. Come into the school and help. I mean, in, in the, 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 of course, the benefits of the business are immense. They get customers. They get rev- relevancy. They get community gravitas and sort of bona fides of supporting the school. They get a feel good about doing well and doing good. It's relevant to them. Their school is right down the street. might be the school where their kids go, right? So they get the cool factor because the kids like, that's my dad, that's my mom. So, you know, everybody wins. So I think the principals versus principals and teachers versus them saying, I can't do it. It's not what I do. They need to say, if we are catalytic, who can we bring together as a convener who can do what we don't have the capacity to do? All of a sudden now, all of the uh, doors of opportunity open up. Well, I, I know you've had a long day today, and I've got a long day ahead of you tomorrow. Thank you so much. And uh, if you could just talk a little bit about what Dignity Day is tomorrow and share that so that more people can know about it. That was news to me today. I'd love to hear what you're doing with that. Sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm clearly worn out, but uh, it was important for me to do this because, uh, and I thank you for doing it uh, and having a passion for it, because without Dr. King uh, of the Civil Rights Movement having media, there would not have been a movement, right? Because you can only give it so many speeches. Right? I mean, I'm still worn out from the speech I gave this morning. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Well, you can do that five times a day, seven days a week, and still have your message be like uh, a tree falling in the forest. Nobody hears it because there's no amplification. So I was honored to do this because I love grassroots media. And uh, we're getting to a point where things like this interview are respectfully even more important than having a profile on one of the networks. So I think it's important, and I wanted to do it. Um, just wiped out. But that's what happens when you're passionate about something. You get wiped out. Then you get, you get some rest, and you get re-energized. I'll be re-energized tomorrow when uh, Miss Shannon Campbell, to my left, wears me out uh, running around Alaska for Global Dignity Day, where we're one of 70 countries. Um, that are supporting Global Dignity Day, me and the Crown Prince of Norway and Professor Pekka Himanen of Finland, through the World Economic Forum and the Young Global Leaders have organized uh, a global language called Dignity. It's something, uh, Dignity is something that nobody argues about. Even human rights are things that my friends in China might argue about defining whether it's good or bad. Nobody argues about dignity. Uh, in South Africa, they say Ubuntu. I am me because you are you. We're all in this mess together. Uh, and so I would say that uh, Alaska tomorrow should be proud. Anchorage to, should be particularly proud. It, it's, uh, according to your mayor, going to be global, uh, global Dignity Day in Anchorage tomorrow through a proclamation they're making. It's the only place where I will be in the country, the, uh, the nation of uh, 50 states and countless cities, at celebrating uh, these principles for Human uplift and uh, history will show that uh, that this is uh, in 20 years from now. I think uh, a common language amongst kids. I think that you'll start seeing this embedded in, in curriculum. You can't pray anymore in schools. Let's not deal with whether that's right or wrong. It's just not happening. Uh, that's the reality. 
But maybe you can have a course in dignity in every school, right? Which is still spiritual, it's values-based, and it, it focuses us on the we factor, not just the me factor. So I'm good to you because I want you to be good to me. Hello. That works. And, and what you said today really resonated with me, that you can't, uh, you can't love someone unless you love yourself. And I'd love it if you just talked a little bit more about that, because that was so powerful, and I believe that that's really what it's about. If I don't like me, I'm not going to like you. If I don't feel good about me, it's hard for me to feel good about you. If I don't respect me, you can forget about me respecting you. If I don't love me, I don't have a clue how to love you. And if I don't have a purpose in my life, I'm going to make your life a living hell. Whatever goes around comes around. So we have got to remember that charity starts at home. Uh, and then when you, even when the flight, when you're on a plane flight, the flight attendant will tell you, put the oxygen mask on your face first and then your child, because if you can't save you, you cannot save them. So we have got to first invest in ourselves, love ourselves, care for ourselves. And then we say, okay, well then let me give what I got. <laughs> okay. And once you give what you have and you start treating people as you want to be treated, most problems in the world, most conflicts sort of walk away or they fall away. Yeah, that is so powerful. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. That was a great conversation with uh, John Hope Bryant, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm going to put some links to his information in the uh, show notes here, so please be sure to check that out. Again, thank you for listening to Transformative Principle. My name is Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. And please share this episode with your friends and Let's help make the world a better place for our students. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the EduPodcast Network. You can find that at edupodcastnetwork.com. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.